Hello, everyone. Welcome to the PacNat Podcast. I'm Phil. And I'm Natalie. If you're curious why PacNat, what does that mean? Um, my initials, I'm Phil, and my initials are P-A-K. And my name, obviously, is Natalie, but most people call me Nat. And so we just kind of put that together. The PacNat Podcast. So it is March 2020, the middle of... COVID-19. COVID-19, or Rona, as Natalie calls it. Rona, get with the times. She posted something on Instagram. Good morning to everyone but Rona, and I had to ask a coworker who Rona was. Because <laughs> Natalie is super... Ahead of the curve. <laughs> Forget about flattening it. She's ahead of it. <laughs> she always knows the latest lingo. And I'm Listen, we have catch up. teenage preteen boys, and I've got to stay hip and cool. So, like I said, it's 2020, but a couple years ago, we decided we were going to do a podcast. Uh huh. So, we started recording in November of 2018. Uh, and 18? Then, it might have been 17. <laughs> Was it 18? It, it feels like forever ago. I think it was 2018. I'm, so I'm, I'm going to see if I can dig up that audio and play it for you here. Because but it kind of explains or gives background as to why we wanted to start doing a podcast and kind of where the idea came from. Absolutely. And But I also wanted to share that part of the reason that we're just going ahead and doing it now is a couple reasons for that. One, Number one... What better time? What better time? <laughs> I mean, what else are you guys doing, right? You're trapped at home and, you know, exactly. listen to us number talk two. because who doesn't want to do that? Um, number two, Natalie's motioning towards me like I know what number two is. We didn't do a lot of rehearsing for this. This well, is just off the cuff. Because I said number one first. Right. Well, I was going to say I listened to Brene. Brene Brown has a new podcast. Which is amazing. And she was Love talking her. about doing things for the first time. And how they're scary and uncertain and unknown. And she used it as an example for her fear and uncertainty doing a podcast, which I thought was really funny because we've recorded a couple of times and every time I just feel anxious about it. And I'm like, it's not perfect. I don't want to release it. Um, what if I say something I regret? I can't take it back once it goes out there. But the whole idea is wanting to be real and vulnerable. So we don't want it to be perfect, Right. Natalie doesn't talking, want it to be perfect. We're just talking and chatting. And <laughs> I think I still want it, it to be there. perfect. Not perfect as in But that fake. completely goes against what we're wanting to do. I know, but like I've never done a podcast before. Like I want to make sure the audio is good. And I want it to doesn't make matter. Sure. People are recording these from their closet on top of laundry baskets. It's true. So here we are. <laughs> Um, so in I would, our bedroom on the floor <laughs> with blankets everywhere because it absorbs the noise. Apparently, that's <laughs> going to help with the echoey sound, I hope. That's true. It's okay for things to not be perfect and for things to be scary. Or And that scary is kind of a... Just out of your comfort zone. Yeah, out of your comfort zone. Uncomfortable. And when Vulnerable. I was listening to that podcast yesterday, I was driving home from work and I was like, we have to do this. Like, this is exactly what I've been doing was dragging my feet with this podcast. I mean, there are other things that we ran into. Like, for instance, it turns into Phil's counseling session when I just rant about stuff. Um, the dog walks around on the floor, and it's like, click, 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 click with his nails. Um, the kids are loud. Like, like we had trouble finding a quiet time. time to record. Yeah, so we're just going to go with it. And if the dog bursts into the room or the kids yell in the background, sorry, guys, it's real, it's us. Yep. Here we go. Another reason was because I saw the U.S. Surgeon General on the news the other day um, 
and his name is Dr. Jerome Adams, and he has a lisp. And I'm just going to be real vulnerable here. This is huge for me because I like to write. I'm more of a writer. I will write. Natalie, I think, is better. Natalie is a great writer, but I think she enjoys I talk nonstop, so I can't say that she enjoys talking more. Yeah, I'm a real chatty Kathy. But for some reason, she's more comfortable with this format, and it makes me a little bit anxious because of my lisp. I know how I'm going to sound when I hear this back, and it's going to drive me crazy. (laughs) But I don't – like, honestly, if it was anybody else but myself, I would tell them – Go for it. Go for it. I would tell them, don't let that hold you back. Like, I would never – and I even enjoy listening to people that have a lisp, which is hilarious because – I have one and hate hearing my own voice, but when I come across other people with it, I think it's endearing. I don't know what that's about, but watching him on the news and knowing that he's the U.S. Surgeon General and he has a lisp, and I mean, it's mild, but still. And he's on national television. Right. National television doing this press conference about the coronavirus, and he's not letting that stop him. He's not letting that stop him. So I'm like, you know what? So between... Which is just crazy because people love you and love listening to you talk and they think you're hilarious and, I, I mean, you're still this so is, this is Natalie's take. insecure about something that is of no significance. So Dr. Jerome, Jerome Adams has a lisp and Brene Brown says do it even when it's the first time the first and it's time not perfect. So here we go. Stay tuned. We like being real. We value authenticity and really connect with people who are willing to be vulnerable and just real uh, with their lives. And I remember last year starting to discover, possibly for the first time, or I don't know if I just got more information about my family's background um, with mental illness. Um, cousins, um, my grandfather, my dad's dad killed himself. Never met him, but this was years ago. But I started finding out and I was, I remember thinking, I wish that people were more comfortable talking about this because as a child growing up, struggling with depression and anxiety, I always thought, what's wrong with me? I'm so broken. I'm so messed up. And it made me wish that people even in their own families, but even in a broader sense, would just be willing to open up and talk about it. And I know that there are many reasons that might um, you know hold you back or keep you from from saying those things. Um, but I also think there's a lot of help. It's helpful to other people to not feel alone, and it can provide some healing. And in a similar sense, you had a situation happen, Natalie, in your with your family. Yeah. So obviously. I've always known about Phil's struggles with depression and anxiety and just the mental illness within his family because we grew up together and um, we've been a part of each other's lives for so long. And so having said that, my family, my parents have known as well. And recently, well, now it's probably, it's been several months ago, but I was having a conversation with my mom and she just kind of made this we were having a conversation about an extended family member who was struggling with depression. And she said something about that my dad was able to talk with him and share with him that several years ago that he had had a bout of depression where he was very depressed for over a year. Um, And I think this was, this would have been before I was born. 
Um, she just said it real nonchalant, like I already knew that. And I was really surprised by it because she had never mentioned that, nor had my dad. He had never, ever said anything about struggling with depression in his life. And it kind of frustrated me because they've known the struggles that we have been through with Phil's depression. Um, and they never thought to share that. Like my dad never reached out to Phil or said nothing ever came up about my dad experiencing it. And I was just surprised by that. Yeah. I don't know if I even would have responded to that. Right. Um, Right. And disclaimer here, we love our parents. We have wonderful, godly Christian parents who raised us um, to love the Lord, you know, Anything that we share here is not a dig or a slam on them at all in the slightest. Um, we just kind of wanted to have an outlet for what we are learning. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, there's no, I mean, no anger or bitterness yeah, or nothing like that right, that we're harboring right. against anybody in our family. Um, it's just a part of having these real conversations and just kind of wishing like that family members would have shared personal experiences about hard things that they've been through to help us when we were going through hard times, especially early on in our Mm -hmm. marriage when we were very young and did not have much life experience at all. Um, I just feel like that would have been helpful to make us not feel so alone or like we're... Now, granted, your parents were, you know, in in another country. Yeah, they're missionaries in Thailand at the the early days of our marriage. Um, Right. And, and even I was thinking, as you were talking, I was thinking about going back to why people aren't vulnerable or don't share. Mm-hmm. And it may, some reasons, maybe they don't want to paint their parents in a negative light or are afraid that it would seem disrespectful or disloyal to their parents. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want that to prevent us from being from able to share yeah. our life experiences right, our to experiences. help other people and yeah. to cause them to not feel alone. And Right. I just, again, like I said, I was just surprised that knowing our struggles that we had been through, that it had just never even come up in conversation that they could relate. Not even publicly, but just yeah, just one on one. Yeah, with you guys. Even even before we were married, because this was stuff that we talked about before we got married because it's been an ongoing struggle. And that was never a topic of conversation. And I was just surprised by that. So we're wanting to break that cycle of keeping everything hush hush and not talking about things. We want to be able to share even the hard stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Because God shows up in the hard stuff. Right. I mean, right. That's what's strengthened our faith, our relation, our personal relationships with the Lord is because of the hard stuff we've been through, not because everything's been easy and times are great and it's such a disservice to, in my opinion, to not talk about it because it totally does. Um, encourage other people's faith, encourage other people when they're having a hard time that God does show up in those hard moments. Um, I was recently talking to my sister and she's going through something personally and, you know, it made me think about what, you know, I've said before, but you don't need faith or trust if you don't experience something that requires faith or trust. Right. And these hard times are what has built us up, not only on our faith, of course, but our marriage, you know, right. our relationship with each other to walk through these things together um, and to be real with each other even about it. I know many spouses don't go to the deep, dark places right. in their relationship. Um, 
especially I know this is a whole other topic, but men, you know, opening up and sharing vulnerabilities or weaknesses or what they perceive as weaknesses um, with their spouses. And I'm really grateful that you've been such a support to me. You've always allowed me to be completely myself and to open up without, of course, without judging me, but I mean, even without allowing that to influence your view of me or my masculinity or manhood, like that it makes me any less of a um, partner spouse for you and in, in our marriage and our relationships. Kudos to you. Appreciate you. But not even just men having that struggle opening up, but anyone who grows up in that culture of we don't talk about our feelings. That's kind of how my family has been to an extent, not with everything. Um, I'm not saying I don't remember having, you know, heart to heart conversations with my family, but at the same time, I do know that when difficult things were going on or happening, those things weren't really talked about and we kind of sweep them under the rug and pretend like they're not there or like they're not really happening. And I think that that is dangerous. I don't think it's healthy. And so because of that, as an adult, I have really struggled to talk about my emotions as well and open up and be vulnerable just because I have kind of viewed it as being weak if I cry Mm -hmm. or don't look like I have it all together because, and I don't know if part of that is growing up, you know, in a pastor's family and feeling like you have to, you know, you're held to a higher standard and people are always watching and like you have to have this appearance that, you know, we're one big happy family and everything's fine. And, and I'm not saying that my family was fake. I don't feel that way at all, but I also don't feel like there was this deep level of communication and talking about real things. Yeah. Um, with lots of topics. I mean, there's just a lot of things that as an adult, I feel like I've had to kind of dig into and tear apart on my own because it wasn't ever done at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That and I, sense. and Oh, absolutely. That, well, it makes sense to me because <laughs> we grew up, um, in similar environments, like with the, in the Christian world, I think oftentimes any questions or uncertainty or vulnerability or weakness or whatever is possibly seen as not having enough faith. Maybe you don't pray enough. Maybe you don't trust God enough instead of just wrestling, um, with things and knowing that God is okay with that. It's okay with those, that wrestling, that working through, making it your own, owning your faith, you know, the, those mm-hmm. types of things. But even while you were talking, I was thinking about how we've come across more and more people that had similar backgrounds. Right. I mean, a lot of it is a lot of faith-based uh, people, um, whether it be close friends or people that we've seen from afar, like maybe on right. social media or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not just in Christian homes, but I really value that and I want we want to foster that in our own home, but we also want to just encourage others and share that um, vulnerability and willingness that what we perceive as our own personal weaknesses or when we're struggling with something that that isn't a detriment. It's not a mark on your character or your faith or anything like that. Right. And saying that, you know, growing up in in a Christian home and like you said, I think sometimes you're made to feel that your faith isn't strong Mm -hmm. enough or that you're not praying hard enough or your relationship with God isn't where it should be. And that's why you're struggling with whatever it is you're struggling with, Mm -hmm. with depression or, and that it's just, it's just all sin. Um, and I think that that can be dangerous as well because, um, a lot of those things, you know, you, you can't be controlled. It has a lot to do with your chemical makeup and your wiring and, 
those kinds of things were never talked about in our family. Um, and I mean, that's probably a lot of that was just because of being uneducated about stuff like that, but nothing was ever talked about. Like, it's okay to go to a counselor, you know, and my dad counseled people all the time, but that was mostly for, you know, marriage counseling or, you know, things like that. Um, but nothing like a therapist, right? Yeah. There was never psychiatrist with both of our families. There was never this idea that, you know, depression, mental illness was a real thing and that it's, it's okay to seek help for that, whether that's through medication or therapy or both, or, you know, that, sometimes just praying isn't enough. And, um, so when you grow up thinking that your faith is not where it should be, and that's why you're having the problems you're having, that can be a real struggle. Mm -hmm. And it propels you in the wrong direction. It propels you away from God instead of towards God. Right. Right. Because then you feel like, why isn't God taking this away? You know, I'm praying about this every single day and I'm trying, I'm doing everything I feel like I need to be doing. And yet it's, it's not helping and it's not getting better. And that's kind of, I think you were somewhat afraid to pursue getting any kind of help because it wasn't talked about in your family and that wasn't encouraged. It wasn't viewed as a real thing or as a real problem. And, you know, we've made multiple comments about the culture of just suck it up or pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of mentality um, and you'll get through it. You know, life is hard. Just deal with it. And so you didn't really feel like you could get the help you needed until you moved out of the home and we got married. And that was when we we started having more real conversations about it. And you were like, I think I need to get on medication. Yeah. And for me personally, it was always that thing that was out of reach would probably be what would even me out. You know, like I need to get through the teenage years. Right. We married young. We married, we were engaged at 18 and married at 20. So part of it was like, okay, when I'm in my 20s, I'm going to be okay. Or when I live on my own, I'm going to be okay. Or when I get married, I'm going to be okay. At the time that we got married and all those things I had told myself for years, um, and I realized I was still struggling and yeah. we were married and I was out of my twenties and I lived on my own, you know, on our own. Right. Uh, I was also going to say that even simple things like possibly a form of meditation or mm-hmm. to help with anxiety, like even things ev- were some of those types of things. I think I got the message, whether it was intentional or not, that those were like the world's answers instead of going to God. Right. Um, instead of seeing those as possibly tools that he's Additional resources. Us. Yeah, yeah they can use all of those things, a combination of things. And, and I mean, it can, it can be multiple things that you need to be doing or practicing to help with, with what, whatever it is that you're struggling with. But for us, the answer was always pray about it or go to God. And, and I'm not saying that's not important because we, it is. We very much believe in prayer and the power of prayer. But I think that God gives us brains for a reason and he gives us resources. To, well, our brain is an organ. Yeah. I mean, just right. like any other organ, we don't, when you get cancer, you don't just pray about it. Right. You seek treatment. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that that, that alone, just the stigma, you know, with mental health, that it's not really a disease, you know, that it's just, you're just a weak person Mm -hmm. and... Or sin. Yeah, or sin, exactly. You just have sin in your life and if you take care of that, you'd feel better. Right, right. And they don't view it as something that should be treated like any other disease or illness. Well, we have kind of went down a mental illness trail when I feel like uh, the, the... point we're trying to make here in this first episode is that we just want to be real. Whether and like it, you said it, earlier, having 
having that in, in our home. Like we're wanting to build that within our home and have these real conversations with our kids so that when they're adults, they're not like, wow, I wish my mom and dad would have shared that with me or would have said, you know, hey, I struggled with that too. It, it's okay. It's, you know, you're not crazy. You're not abnormal. So whether that is just having difficult topics like about sex or about pornography or about racism or mental illness. Yes, yes. Um, I'm sitting here shaking my head because those are all the things that we tend to not talk about because they're complicated. Because, yeah, they're difficult. And or because because we're uneducated ourselves, mm-hmm. and so we feel like we don't have all the answers, and so we probably shouldn't talk about it because we don't know what we're talking about. But that's something that we want to do too is, is educate ourselves and not be so ignorant about things and be able to have those conversations and learn together and learn with our boys. And I'm all about, and I want to help promote and encourage judgment-free, shame-free environments because even, it was funny, you brought up, you know, talking about sex and talking about our boys and stuff. Uh, we have two sons. Um, our oldest son just turned 13, and he said, I had asked him, you know, I, we've talked to him about sex, but I think uh, some parents are like one and done. <laughs> like, right. And I want to keep revisiting this. Right. It's it like, hey, do you have, have any questions? And, what are, yeah. and he recently said, he told me, I'm afraid to tell you what my friends are saying because you will be angry at them or you will think they're bad kids. And that is just a perfect example of what I don't want. What we don't want. Yes, that we don't want. We don't want our kids to be afraid to tell us things or talk or ask questions about something that they don't know about. Yes. I mean, because I know when I was a kid, I, I wouldn't dare ask questions like that to my parents or my older siblings, like that stuff was off limits. It was hush, hush. You don't talk about it. And that really, really affected me as I got older, as a teenager, as an adult, not knowing things, not being educated and not having those kinds of real conversations and having to learn it in other ways that probably weren't very healthy. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I I want to be able to prevent that, which I know you can't prevent all of those things with your kids. There's going to be you know, things that we mess up with and, and we already have. But that's a perfect example of of what we don't want to happen. We don't want our boys to be afraid. I mean, we we are able to sit around our dinner table and talk about things like this and talk about sex. And, you know, I mean, there there are ages where they, especially our younger son who's 11, where they think it's gross or weird and, you know, they don't want to really talk about it. But Landon, our 13-year-old, is getting more to that point where he is starting to be a little more curious and asking more questions and his friends are talking about a lot of stuff that they probably should not be talking about and that they're learning from movies or who knows what. If you're not talking about it, (laughs) rest assured your kids are. Your kids are talking about I mean, our kids go to Christian school. Right, right. A private Christian school and... And a small community, all those things. Racism, homosexuality, like abortion, like they are talking about it. Gender identity, all those things. Yes, your kids... Your kids are talking about it, so smoking, drugs. I mean, we talk about every that stuff. topic yeah. under the sun. All your kids are experiencing it at some level, at some level, all the yeah, time. Yeah, they're already so talking. Not about talking it. about it. You're you're behind. Right. You think you're protecting them, but it's it's actually only harming them, and they're going to learn about it somewhere eventually. Yeah, it's a good point about protecting. You think you think yeah, you're protecting you think you're them. keeping you think, them in this little bubble and yes, protecting them from the bad stuff. But eventually. They're going to deal with it. So why don't we teach them how to 
deal with it in a healthy way and right. a God honoring way. Well, I think about language, even bad words. Like I'm not opposed to my kids hearing those words, knowing what they mean and knowing that we don't really think it's appropriate to talk like that Right. versus completely everything being unknown. And then when they find out about it, it can really skew a lot of their worldviews, um, another rabbit trail, but mm-hmm. we're just excited to have these conversations. Um, and hope that, and hope that it helps. Yes. Someone, anyone. Yes. And hope, hope that it encourages you um, in your life and your family. What's the point of going through all this? All like this God crap. has brought yeah. us through so much. And I'm like, what's the point of going through it and not sharing it right. and not talking right. about it? Right, if you're it? not going to be able to use it or help other people with it. God has brought us through so much. Let's... Right, and I think I think a lot of people just have this idea of what is portrayed on social media, mm-hmm. you know, about our lives. I mean, I, you know, I'm not saying people think that, you know, our lives are perfect or anything like that, but we get a lot of comments about just our marriage in general or our relationship that, mm. you know, relationship goals and, you know, you, I want yes, a relationship with you guys. Especially young people. Yes, like we have we've helped with the youth and right. stuff. Yes. That was another thing. I'm glad yeah, you brought that up that, because that was a whole other reason that I wanted to do this was yeah. because we were getting so many comments from people and we were just like, if they only knew. Right. If right. We don't want people to think has that this through. has just been this fairy tale relationship that has been easy and because and I, it hasn't been that at all. Mm-hmm. You know, we have we have been through hell and back with a few different things. We just things. said hell. Do we have to put <gasps> explicit on the podcast? Censor. Um, My bad. I, that's the second generation of that because we were both raised in good Christian homes yep. that from the outside, everything looks great. Good. Yeah. And like I said, we're very blessed. We're not dig on our parents at all. But like I had severe depression as a childhood. But I remember someone when we were dating, someone made a comment to you, just still ever not smile. Right. Right. And, and I, I'm thinking if they only knew. Yes. Like I was suicidal. I Yeah. Miserable. Yeah. I was suicidal. But people didn't understand that that was just a mask. That was right. That was him, you know. Coping. Coping. Exactly. <laughs> just being funny and But now here we are having our family and I realize what people think about us or what we project. Right. Um, and I've talked to some people about the social media dynamic being one where because I naturally struggle with depression, I'm not naturally optimistic. My social media or my Instagram feed is for me a personal reasons to be happy, um, a highlight reel on purpose to encourage me and to remind me of what a wonderful life I have. Yeah. So if I posted negative stuff, it would bring, I'm a, I, I don't want it to bring down. me down. Or you down. Yeah. 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 Sure. I don't want it to, I don't want to focus on just, so I, so I'm always trying to balance with, I try to be real and admit, you know, there are times when I'll make a post about struggling with anxiety or, you know, trying to be real. Um, but that's, a, and those kinds of posts are always the ones you get the most feedback from. It yeah, feels like true. though, that's I mean, true. comments and yeah. people saying, I really needed to hear this or I can relate to this so much. I mean, People appreciate it when you are real and vulnerable. Yeah, I shared something with um, a coworker once um, about our marriage, and she said, "I never would have thought that." Like, right? Like people don't know, but but my point is, to the level that you're comfortable at now, if you are open and you share with people, you will get the same responses that we have. Mm-hmm. People are longing for connection, and connection—it's not just entertainment. Social media is people like it because they want to connect, they want to belong. And in relationships, not just in social media, but in relationships, they want to connect and they want to know that they're not alone. And you're really not, you're not alone. We're here to say you're not alone. Yep, that's what we're here for. 
tune in next time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we just wrapped it up. I mean, how do you end it better than you're not alone? <laughs> See you next time. I mean, I mean, talk to you next time. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs>